You know, during this coronavirus pandemic, we're getting quite the collection of masks. Yes. How many are you up to by now? Oh, I don't know. About a dozen, but I'll tell you. Oh, a dozen? That's pretty impressive. Well, there's one that I'll never wear at mass. I, I like it. I like the mask a lot, and probably the one who gave it to me is listening. I really do like it, but I won't wear it at mass because it's got a big Ohio State Buckeye thing on it. Oh, does it really? Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> I, I, I have to have the right occasion to wear that. And I, uh, if you notice, usually at mass, I wear one of the more... Uh, Surg- I'll call it surgical, you know, the prefab ones. These scrubbing and Yeah, to, the scrub. Yeah, go I come work. in my scrubs. Yeah. <laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome to the 23 Podcast. Michael Puppis here with Father Herb. And I, I'm up to seven masks. Okay. But laundry, we're joking. Like, you used to be like, oh, I'm out of uh, undershirts or, you know, I'm out of jeans. I need to do laundry. Now it's, I'm out of clean masks. We yes. need to well, do laundry. Well, I have I have someone I, that I wear when I go hiking because I, I believe in any time if I'm hiking, if I meet somebody else, I put the mask on. I might slide it down. Even a squirrel? Uh, squirrels, no, they're maskless. That'd be pretty cute, actually, if a little squirrel could wear yeah. a mask. You, you're just taking me away from what <laughs> I was trying to say. Uh, but it's one of those that ties in the back, and oh. it's, it's really very, very comfortable to wear. However, uh, it, you can't slip it on and off like you can around the office with some of the ones that go around your ears. Sure. I was telling Hillary yesterday, my poor left ear, uh, because I, it's, it's a, it's, it, it's a beast of burden. I, I have, <laughs> that's a song. First of all, I wear glasses. So I've got the, the ear helps keep the glasses in place. Sure. Then I wear the countryman microphone yeah. and that's, hooks over my left ear. Yeah. Then where I wear a mask and that hooks over both ears. So sometimes I do your ears hang low. Well, (laughs) after mass, I have to figure out which one I take off first. So, you know, you should probably alternate sides for that microphone. Otherwise one ear is going to end up bigger than the other. (laughs) It's just (laughs) getting too much of a workout. All right. Well, here we are going into the 18th Sunday in ordinary time. And, and it's one of the great, great, great miracles of the Bible. I think you say that every time. Or I, you say, this is one of my favorites. Well, actually, I'm not sure if it's one of my favorites, but it's one of the most picturesque. And it, it is the only miracle. Did you know this? This is the only miracle that's recorded in all four Gospels. This, this must be the crowd being Wait, fed. The crowd being fed. Can you tell I got ready for today's podcast? Yeah, it's Jesus multiplying <laughs> loaves and fish. In fact, uh, trivia. What? How many accounts of this are there in the four Gospels? Well, I know there's more than four because it is mentioned at least one or two other times. So I'm going to say probably not one. I'm going to say two. So I'm going to say a total of six times. And the answer is it's six times. Really? Wow. Except... I think four of the times it's a crowd of 5,000 and twice it's a crowd of 4,000. Now, almost uh, Matthew and Mark have both accounts. Yeah. And they're fact, in fact, Matthew, it's only a chapter apart. Uh, most people think that, of course, by the time Matthew and Mark were written, the early church had already been telling these stories and uh, maybe two different versions of the same account may have floated down. There could have been two separate occasions, but most people feel like it's um, 
two different accounts of the same thing. And they both chose to put them in in both versions. And why? It, it was a form of emphasis. Mm-hmm. If you say something once, that's good. If you say it twice, it's even gooder. Uh, gooder-er. Gooder-er. So um, because of the Eucharistic overtones, this was, in fact, in John's Gospel, it is the beginning of chapter 6, which is the whole chapter on the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. So uh, it has such Eucharistic overtones that they really felt it was worth hearing again. You know, when I hear this passage, which I know we'll get to reading here in a second, I always think of when we were doing the Exclaim Music Festival. Because a lot of times, we were when we would do Exclaim, it was the end of July, beginning of August, and in the cycles, this when this It usually comes up comes about up. this time of the year, yes. And so there we would be out at the CYO Athletic Complex having mass with thousands of people, uh, and we'd be reading this reading about Jesus feeding thousands it, it was just a beautiful and we are in a deserted place so we better feed them so send them to the concession stand <laughs> <laughs> that was after mass that was yeah but um the, i mean just great memories of celebrating eucharist as a diocesan family when we were doing exclaim it's been i've lost count it's been four or five years now since since, done since we we did seven total there were seven of them so, okay but um uh, i think i was there for all of them i know the one time it had to be put indoors for the mass you had the concert and then you we did. Uh, shortened each performer or put them closer together or something and then the mass itself was moved over to saint john's we had it in the chapel yeah, yeah i forgot about that I mean, I didn't really forget. How could you forget? I didn't forget. We were watching storms all day that were kind of rolling in. Yeah. Well, let me ask a question. Sure. If if you travel, well, let's talk about when you were a kid. Mm-hmm. When you traveled with mom and dad or mom or dad or did, when you traveled as a family. Yeah. Did you guys pack a lunch? Did you have a, was that a part of what you did when you left home? For, and I'm not talking just driving across town, but like, let's say it was going to be an hour or two hour trip or something like that. No, I would say we were pretty, because remember by the time I was old enough, pretty much both of my brothers were grown and out of the house. So it wasn't like there were, so that's for, that's why you got treated as an only child. So it was, <laughs> hello, is it making sense now? Um, so, I mean, it w- it wouldn't have been hard for, you know, us to stop at Wendy's and, get a frosty or something like that okay. so no i don't think we packed a whole lot of lunches we do now. i will say that we do now with my kids because i've learned as a parent that one kids meals are incredibly overpriced at restaurants and the portions are so large you could probably get one and feed a couple of kids with it uh, but two they like a peanut butter sandwich just as much so we usually pack stuff well then kids. my next thing is have you when you were dating or newlyweds, yeah. did you guys ever go out for a picnic? Did you have a nice picnic basket with a special tablecloth that maybe you, uh, you would find a picnic table or maybe even on the grass, you know, just like the old movies where you spread out a blanket or something sure. and just uh, dine there? Yeah. Did, did, uh, did I don't know. Did we do that? Like, what? I mean, we definitely do it now with the kids all the time. Okay, but you didn't as... I I'm mean, sure we did at some I point. I remember as, one time as a... Um, a wedding gift for one of my my nephews and his bride. I gave them a basket. I kind of created it together. It's hard to find a good picnic basket, a, a kind of a wicker basket. But I, yeah, we don't have one of those. I, we did. We did have one of those growing up. We'd okay. go to like side. Well, I, f- I found one, 
and it even in the lid it had a little place where you could put the uh, the silverware, and I had a couple of wine glasses I put in there with a, a bottle of wine, yeah, and uh, just tried to dress it up. And afterwards, they told me they said, "You know what? That was a really wonderful gift." And it was one of three that we got. No way. <laughs> and you put all that thought into it. Yeah. I thought I was being very creative. You know what we did have growing up? We had this green picnic table. And this is like such a product of the 80s and 90s that would fold up into basically a rectangle with a handle that you could carry around. Oh, right. Yeah. So sure. And then you would. Uh, like a suitcase. Yeah. And then you'd get to your place and you'd unfold it into this picnic table. It had an umbrella and everything. Wow. Even an umbrella. And, the, and Mary Poppins popped out. No, yeah. that, that part's a lie. Uh, but it did have an umbrella. Um, and you'd have your picnic, and then you'd fold it back up and put it in the car and take it home. The reason I ask this is because why did the people in the crowd not have food with them? You know, if, was it norm, normal that they would have taken some food with them if they were going to be out all day? Mm-hmm. Did they not have food to take with them? Um, had they already eaten all the food they had? Or, which is possible, or... That's always my problem. <laughs> had they not intended to stay so long. You know, maybe they thought, oh, hey, the, the preacher man is in town, so uh, let's go listen for a few minutes, and here they stayed all day. It could be any and all of those scenarios. Okay, with that said, I'm going to let you read Matthew chapter 14, verses 13 to 21. Are you ready? Ready. When Jesus heard of the death of John the Baptist, he withdrew in a boat to a deserted place by himself. The crowds heard of this and followed him on foot from their towns. When he disembarked and saw the vast crowd, his heart was moved with pity for them, and he cured their sick. When it was evening, the disciples approached him and said, This is a deserted place, and it is already late. Dismiss the crowds so that they can go to the villages and buy food for themselves. Jesus said to them, There is no need for them to go away. Give them some food yourselves. But they said to him, Five loaves and two fish are all we have here. Then he said, Bring them here to me. And he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he said the blessing, broke the loaves, and gave them to the disciples, who in turn gave them to the crowds. They all ate and were satisfied. And they picked up the fragments left over, twelve wicker baskets full. Those who ate were about 5,000 men, not counting women and children. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. I love Jesus' line. There's no need for them to go away. Give them some food yourselves. It really is a wonderful challenge that we need to take care of each other. We need to reach out. Mm-hmm. Um, I, When I was reading this, I picture like at home anytime I get out a snack for myself, there's immediately two tiny vultures. Dad, can I have some of that? Can I can I have a little bit? Can I have something? Uh, even if they just had a snack themselves or whatever it may be. And I I was identifying with Jesus who just wanted to get out for a little bit by himself and, you know, have some alone time and everybody was following him. Yeah. Asking for food. Well, there there's the the wonderful contrast in this story too. He just heard about the death of his friend, his cousin John the Baptist. Mm-hmm. And that was uh the result of a banquet, actually. There was this, uh, Herod had the banquet, and Salome did the, the dance, and he was so taken that he 
He promised anything you ask for, even if it's half of my kingdom, and I will give it to you. And then, of course, she says, I want the head of John the Baptist, because her mother told her to say that. So uh, it's, it goes from this, this thing of this uh, lav lavish banquet, which ends in death, to eating on the hillside, on the grass, which gives life. It's, it's a wonderful, wonderful contrast. I think it's really easy to miss that beginning part about Jesus hearing about the death of John the Baptist. That's not the focal point of no, the story whatsoever. No, but, it, but it's in there. And yeah. I looked, uh, this is Matthew, I, saw, I didn't look at all four Gospels, but I know it's in the, at least a couple of the others as well. And it, it's just, again, you got to remember it. There, there's always like threefold approach to things. Jesus prays. He, he does go off by himself. Mm -hmm. He does cure the sick. And he preaches. Now, he, in a sense, he was already feeding the crowd before he fed the crowd with loaves and fish. Mm -hmm. He was feeding them with his word and with his actions and his very presence. Now, it talks about it being a deserted place. It doesn't seem deserted now. That's, that's on the, the rounds if you go to Israel and take the tour. Yeah. Uh, back uh, centuries ago, they created like little shrines at all these places. And th then over the years, the shrines developed into churches. So you can go to almost any of these places. I remember saying mass at the, the supposed site. And yeah. I say supposed because it's... It may be the very same place, but it's hard to pin it down for sure. Sure. But it, the, the church itself has a famous uh, mosaic on the floor. And if you look on the, at the mosaic, and you may have seen pictures of this, there is a basket. I'm going to Google it. Keep going. Okay, there is a, a basket there. And along the side of the basket, you see a couple of fish. But in the basket, you see four loaves of bread. Hmm. Did you find it yet? Uh, I'm, I do. Yes, I'm looking at it. Can you count the, the four loaves of bread in the basket? It's not a, like I'm not looking at the whole thing. It's oh, okay. like a zoomed in version of it. Okay. Anyway, so our guide said to us, how many loaves of bread are in the parable? We said five loaves. Mm -hmm. So he said, then how many loaves do you count? We said four. He said, where's the fifth loaf? Because this was part of the, the artist uh, concept. And right away, some people said, oh, the fifth loaf is inside the basket. We just can't see it. Oh. And he said, no. He didn't say that's so stupid. Oh, so there's, there's the loaves inside the basket? Yeah. Okay. I'm, I think I am looking at it. Keep going. Okay. So... Uh, the fifth loaf is not in the basket. He finally, after asking questions, he said, the fifth loaf is us. That when the artist did the, the mosaic, he said, Jesus provides loaves and fish, but we are the fifth loaf. In other words, we have to, that, that very line, we have to feed them ourselves. Mm. And we have to be uh, bread for the world. And Jesus is the bread of the wor for the world, but we have to be the extensions of it. I was thinking too as we were we were reading through this, you know, I think it's it can be a beautiful image of how Jesus is capable of feeding all of us today. I think, you know, sometimes we think, well, how could Jesus possibly love me, one person of billions in the whole world, right? Um, but here Jesus gives this beautiful uh illustration that 
he can provide substance to anyone. And whether you're the one or the one out of six billion, it doesn't matter in, in God's mind. That's the famous uh, quote from St. Teresa of Avila. In her prayer one time, she came out of this uh, contemplation and she said, I, I have come to realize if I were the only person alive in the world today, God could not love me more than God loves me now. Wow. But I, I, I have a fear that people think that we only get one small portion of God's love. And I remember facing that very same thing myself, coming from a big family. And some people, I'd say, I'm one of 13 children. And some people would almost say, did your parents have any time for you? That would and, explain a lot, actually. <laughs> <laughs> actually, they, I got the best of both worlds because I had older brothers and sisters who had lots of time. Sure. And mom did admit that, oh, maybe I didn't always have time, but I did have individual time with each one. Sure. And, but, but for God, it's not like we only get one-thirteenth of God's attention. We get 100% of God's attention. I can't even imagine what it would be like to have 12 siblings. That must have been really cool. You know what? It was part of life. I felt sorry for people who did not have that. Uh, one of my brothers married uh, an only child. Mm -hmm. And when she first came into the family, she was overwhelmed by the number of us. Uh, but <laughs> that's probably we, easy to of do. Of course, we all loved her, and she's still living. Um, that's my oldest brother's wife, wid widow. Uh, we still love her tremendously, and we, bec we have become her siblings, mm -hmm. no question about it. Uh, but yes, it, it was really a lot for her at first, but she adjusted. You know, what's interesting as we were talking about, here's the story that shows up six times in the gospel. Think about in even our, our own memories of life, the great meals, the great times we've broken bread with people, how that plays a role in our, our memories. I mean, obviously this was an event, you know, I, it's, it was a communal gathering for these people, you know, to sit and to break bread and to share in a meal together. Um, yeah, ju just uh, in the last three days, I've had two social gatherings cancel because of COVID. Yeah, uh, both would have in both would have invi uh, involved uh, eating. One was going to be more formal than the other, but they were different receptions, and I wasn't sure that I could attend either one. But both of them, had, on their own, and these were independent of each other, mm -hmm. both of them felt a need to cancel because gathering uh, around a meal is such a, I'll say, I'll use the word intimate. It's such a bridge builder. It, is, it brings you close to each other. And it's because it's so important that we want to do it, but it's because of the physical proximity mm -hmm. and the danger involved right now that we can't do it. So it's a, very, it's a heavy heartbreak uh, and heartache uh, that says, I can't do it right now. There was a, a book I was reading recently, and the author was talking about a woman, I believe down in Texas, somewhere in the South, and she's basically started this, um, I don't know if it's a nonprofit, but this mission in a, in a company that supplies a table, an outdoor table, a be beautiful wooden outdoor table with benches. Um, it seats about 20 people. It's big. And you can buy it and put it in your yard. And the whole mission of this organization is to invite people to your home that you wouldn't normally eat meals with 
and to break bread with them. And uh, I think it stemmed from the idea that she moved into town and didn't really know anyone, and so she needed to find ways to. So, so this had nothing to do with COVID or uh, social. No, distance. Th- no, this yeah. has been around for yeah. um, for a few years. This is prior to coronavirus. But the whole idea is is cool because it's it's about inviting people into your home, sharing a meal with them, getting to know them. And I think uh, I went on the website. I, I wish I could remember the name of it, but I think she's had over a thousand people in her backyard for meals over the last four or five years. It's just a really cool story. Yeah, yeah. Um, and now now that she's taking this vision and passing it on to somebody else where you can b- purchase a table and invite people from your neighborhood and your community. And it folds up folds up, and becomes <laughs> like a suitcase. a suitcase with a handle. <laughs> it's your carry-on for when you can fly again. Um, but it's beautiful. And honestly, I think that's one of the things I miss this summer uh, is being able to get together with people. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, we've we've had pizza with our neighbors kind of sitting outside in lawn chairs and things like that, but nothing, nothing like we normally would be able to I, do. I would say since uh, March, I've had two meals with other people. Uh, one was when my sister uh, Celeste died uh, after going from the funeral home, I went over to my other sister's house and she and her husband and I had a meal together. Mm-hmm. First time I'd been in their house for months. And then one other time, I was invited to somebody's home, and it was just a husband and wife, and lots of social distance and everything. But it was, sure. uh, I've just been, I've eaten a lot of meals by myself. I don't particularly like eating by myself, but at the same time, I, I, I do it for the sake of the people that I would rather be with. And I think that's a sure. big thing about this. We, we would love, we would love the whole thing to be over and move on, but it's, we have to be in for the long haul. So I think what we do is enjoy the people that we are able to eat meals with. And, you know, I can FaceTime you if you want to have dinner with us one night. Uh, I, you're a good cook. You're going to bring over the food so we can eat the same thing? Oh, well, I'll bring it in my wicker picnic basket. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us. What a joy to be with you as always. Um, I just looked it up. It's called Neighbor's Table, A Mission of Love. I think that's really cool. All right. Have a great week, everybody. Hey, God bless you.